Hello. Hello, Jess. And hello, everybody. And welcome to 361 Lifeline podcast. And I'm Alice Smith, and I'm joined by the lovely Jess Hawks. Hi, guys. Jess, I can't wait to hear later on. It's got nothing to do with our topic, but I just need to know later about how you're turning petticoat um, sheets into petticoats because it sounds amazing. It's that's one word for it. I've managed to get most of my panels out of one side of a bed sheet, so that's good. Um, I have been hand sewing it the ruffle part anyway, so it's been an interesting process. I've just got this version of you sort of like dressed in Victorian Gothic, doing it by candlelight late into the night. Something like that, only with an electric lamp and my cat nestled thoroughly in my sewing. Yes, well, if you've been listening to us regularly, you know Jess has to mention a cat every time. And, and for me, obviously, it's just my miserable life, which is quite funny. So um, welcome to 361 Lifeline, episode seven, food or food for thought. And today we're going to be taking you on a trip along the lane down past the pie shop, because where I live now, it's all pies. It's so strange, Jess, because, you know, food is such a loaded thing anyway, isn't it for us? And then I've been living for three years in Bristol where food is such a sensitive issue Um as you're walking along, you're used to in Birmingham being accosted by people trying to get you to find salvation with them. But in Bristol, it's about being a vegan. That, that's probably my jam, not going to lie, being of the vegan persuasion. Well, I walk along and I, you know, I don't really want to see um, pigs being slaughtered on TV screens hanging around their nets and they wear the white uh, I don't know what it's called, that white mask uh, that's like a bit, it's got a pointy chin. And I think, okay, I don't I don't really want to see this. But then, so I went vegetarian, you know, just to show willing. And then I come over up north and uh, everybody is eating pies. And so I then get a kind of reverse stigma where um, if I'm not eating a pie with a crust the size of my head, you know, and the fat in between the meat and everything, then I'm not a real girl. Uh, but the best part about pie is the pastry. You can make pie filling out of anything. Like apple pie is pretty good. There's a whole whole assortment of pies. It doesn't have to be savoury. It just makes uh, me laugh because it's kind of like this identity I think we're going to talk about today anyway, wrapped up in food. So in Bristol, I, I felt I felt sort of, you know, kind of uh, badgered into being a vegan, whether I wanted to or not. And then in up north, I feel like my identity has to surround, you know, be surrounded by the fact how many pies I can eat and how rare my meat is. So it's just very strange to think when you live in different areas, isn't it, to see the attitudes to food and identity that go with it. So. Yeah, um, we're talking today about the start about food issues and um, things like anorexia, um, hoarding, as because hoarding is is quite a thing at the moment in the troubled times that we're in, and uh, our relationship with food. And then we're going to go on to look at body image, and we're going to listen for, uh, for some um, opinions about body image uh, that you sent in. And uh, then we might just flip it over to think about food for thought. What else are we consuming? So we're going to be trying to also talk to you today about from different generations again. 
Um, and I think that's where this uh, language comes in, this language voodoo that, uh, you know, for me, I, I, feel, I feel like I'm walking on eggshells with some of the words I'm using. So, uh, yeah, we're going to have a look at the generation thing, especially when it comes to body image. So, Jess, if you'll kick us off um, about relationships with food and uh, and kind of what you've picked up from your generation about what's going on really and especially in these times is it is it getting worse and why relationships with food is a hard one depending on a varying number of factors uh, again my relationship with food drastically changes depending on whether or not I'm in an episode or I'm grounded it can be to do with what's going on in my life all kinds of things and it's a very loaded subject without even touching on mental health disorders like anorexia nervosa and bulimia because most people with severe anxiety with depressive episodes will probably have very disordered eating as well and disordered eating isn't necessarily those two illnesses or overeating you know there are so many different ways in which your eating can become disordered and we have such a focus on the idea of health behind food but a lot of education seems to be missing especially in terms of things like the fear of fats uh how much sugar you're consuming what kind of foods you're eating and it can get very confusing and overwhelming like even before you've got to the point where you've put it on your plate to consume it. So it's an interesting subject. Social media definitely I don't think helps because a lot of the things that we end up consuming are ridiculous body images of people that have money to have a personal trainer and a dietitian and plastic surgery or very fitted clothing and there are a lot of photoshopping and all kinds of things and considering I come from a generation of social media and that kind of issue I, I definitely say I remember a lot of my friends during our like teenagers definitely struggled at some point or another with some form of disordered eating and um, unfortunately for myself I carried it on until well, throughout university, definitely post-John as well. And it it's just a really weird subject. Yeah, in a lot an interesting of one, isn't it? And, and the reason why we picked it was because, I don't know about you, Jess, but for me, this idea of how our relationship to food is just highlighted at the moment because we've suddenly gone from this consumerist society where we get what we want, when we want, 24-7 eating in the shops to, you know, this idea of we line up, we um, we have limited amount of food. Uh, I've noticed that the food's more expensive. And um, it's things like uh, hoarding food, which is a big thing for people, uh, which got me thinking, what does food mean to you? What does it represent to you? So I, I was just going to ask listeners to have a think. What does food represent to you? And uh, there's some ideas here. It might be security, which is why people hoard. It might be fear. It might be just fearing lack. You've had times in your life where you didn't have enough. Um, it could be trigger for other addictions. For in, example, I didn't realize that why I put a bit of weight on when I became sober was because one of the triggers 
for drinking is feeling hungry. And um, I've noticed it a lot in this time that I don't want to feel hungry because when I feel hungry, it's a weird drinking trigger. So, you know, have a think, is is that behind some of the th things that you're doing towards eating? And also, obviously, the obvious ones like food representing love or, or another emotion. And maybe you could have a think about what emotion does it represent to you, if at all? And could you name that emotion? Because that might help you if you're if you're struggling at the moment with something connected with food. So what does uh, food represent to you, do you think, Jess? It depends on the context. Definitely love, um, especially in the kind of post-trauma years and when I started getting grounded. I regularly try and throw dinner parties with friends because it's the one time of the month where they put, you know, all the adult things away, like worrying about rent and worrying about other things that they're facing and bills. And everybody just sits down at a table in a communal atmosphere and we all talk about things that actually enrich us. And I like putting the effort into the food. It's the same with cooking for my housemates. So I did a breakfast. I think I mentioned this in the last podcast with one of my friends from school and we did it over Skype and it's something that we used to do where we'd cook pancakes and listen to the Scissor Sisters. So we made pancakes and we had a chat and a catch up over breakfast and I did them with caramelized bananas, which I've never done before. I personally, like anyone that knows me knows I'm a bit weird about fruit because textures change. But, you know, it was a really good way of spoiling myself. So, yeah, I guess love and self-care is what I view it as more. Definitely as a fuel thing as well, because of all the sports, I have to actually think about what I'm eating because it does affect my performance, my focus, um, whether or not I can actually have the energy to hit the gym and then do an eight-hour shift. But at the same time, because of my working patterns, it's still quite disordered and I really struggle with eating by myself yeah so, so that's that's interesting that you're saying about you know that you've that you've analyzed it like that it's great um and i i think um for me there's a lot of secret single food behaviors i'd call them that i've had over the years you know like hoarding chocolate and uh, maybe some listeners uh, might might get this you know eating weird stuff I've got this really weird thing about not being able to have baked beans touch anything on my plate you know from childhood I don't know where that's come from and maybe some listeners will think I've got secret single food behaviors and um and that's fine you know it's a quirk but if um if you're listening and you're thinking oh whatever relationship I've got with food is going out of control at the moment because of you know the shortages and just my mental health then maybe a first step might be to try and name that emotion um around food it's just only one a first little step um but thanks for that Jess we're going to go to our first track and it is chocolate by Kylie hello and welcome back to part two of Food for Thought, 361 Lifeline here, Alice Smith and Jess Hawks. Hi guys. I'm gonna try and get a drum roll at some point or at least the applause for you, Jess. 
way, thank you. That's very flattering. I look forward to it. <laughs> so um, we, we've just been talking about our relationship with food and we've left it quite open for you as listeners to just have a thing, you know, maybe start a process in your head about what's going on with food. Is it is it getting really difficult at the moment and why that might be? Um, and we're, go- we're moving on smoothly, really, to body image. And we're going to look at this from the a different generations. So... I'll go first. Um, so I'm middle aged now, and um, I would say that I've looked back over my body image, which wasn't even a phrase, by the way, when we were younger. And I've just always felt fat, and I've always had big problems with this, and it hasn't gone away, and I've taken it into midlife. So now my um, general voice which it tells me several times a day more than several Uh, I've always had this voice telling me I'm fat but now I also have this idea and I tried to make a joke of it because if you're younger and you're listening I've got to tell you this your waist disappears forget Jennifer Jennifer Lopez and Kylie and and, um, Jennifer Aniston the truth is that you're probably going to lose your waist and it's not going to be the worst thing that ever happens to you. But it's really weird when you get to a certain age, this this kind of uh, fat appears around your middle. So I, I still exercise loads and I would consider myself to be fit and healthy. But this <laughs> this sort of <laughs> my waist is thickened. So that upsets me a lot. Um body image wise and quite frankly I don't need pictures of Jennifer Aniston at 50 and Jennifer Lopez at 50 they don't they don't help me and they don't help women of my age and if you're listening you're my age you know what I'm saying um and I've tried to look back and think what's happened here with with this and I did do some work on this kind of counseling work and I've always I've used to be a dancer for many years as I was growing up and as my body was changing and I just credit that experience with this terrible body self image I have in my head that I just haven't been able to shake. And um, when I was a dancer, I was always put at the back called fat. In fact, now I look back at pictures, I wasn't fat, you know, Jess, I was just really tall and quite healthy build. I didn't actually have excess weight, but, obviously when you're a child and you're told that all the time and it just stayed with me and it and it, it never left and then when I had um my post-trauma years the last five years I went really thin so I've always yo-yoed from a size 16 up to a, down to a size eight and then up to 16 and eight and all my pictures when you look at me I can tell what my mental health was like my body image my weight reflected my mental health as a barometer and uh, when I got down to just under a size eight when I was performing and um, it, my perfor- performing in corset, pants, in pr- pride and everything, very thin. Uh, the message I got from people and from society was that I was fantastic thin. I was beautiful. I was pretty. I had fantastic cheekbones, great legs and I was tiny. And I really felt kind of loved in inverted commas being this thin and it was a really strange thing that I had this message for the first time and so I attempted to keep that thin and I don't know if people listening can identify with this I'm sure you can and um, 
people would come up to me and just tell me how thin I was and how fantastic I looked. Now, I was really ill then, but but it didn't seem to matter to people because I got this kind of validation that I'd always craved in performing, which was to be thin. So, yeah, that's where I'm coming from. I got my past. Uh, I've got this idea of uh, thin being beautiful and pretty and people will like me. And then adding on uh, the middle age spread in the middle. Um, so, yeah, that's where I'm coming from, Jess. And I don't know what it's like for you. It's probably completely different for you. Or there might be some similarities from your generation. It's not as different as you think, especially, I think, for girls. I know that a lot more pressure is being applied to, you know, boys in modern society to fit the kind of metrosexual footballer look or whatever it is that they're meant to aspire to. And there is actually a rise in people identifying eating disorders in, like, men as well. But as I said, during my teenage years, most of the people I know at some point or another had an issue surrounding food and body image. Um, Mine was very much self-esteem based. Uh, I got called fat a lot at various points. I had everything... I ate at various points has been commented on by someone else as well. Like you're eating too much or like you're eating too much of this or you could be thinner. And I think a lot of women face that kind of commentary because it's this idea that you have to be perfect in every forum as a woman or you're doing it wrong. And there's just zero slack. And when I hit uni the eating disorder was also like lack of availability for food I chose an arts degree so I was spending more money on rent and materials than I was on food because I just couldn't afford it but at the same time my mental health was also on a decline so you know the last 10 pounds in my pocket wasn't going to go on food it was going to go on cigarettes because the addiction at that point was more important and you can go to bed hungry and you you well you feel like you can rationalize it you find a way of doing it and you find a way of sustaining whatever it is and I think it's interesting that you mentioned like the weight fluctuation I'm if I look back at photos of myself from secondary school so at the moment I am about seven pounds heavier than when I left secondary school most of that is down to veganism and sports but if I look through from I think it was about 13 was when I got the puberty puppy fat thing and it looked really awkward and the amount of people that would comment like from family or people that I didn't know and it really messed me up there were points in school where I was starving myself because I didn't know how else to control my weight and you have no control over your hormones at that age like you don't and you can really mess yourself up trying to fit that Hollywood thing because there is that phrase you can never be too rich too thin too pretty or too famous it's not true you should be aiming to be healthy but unfortunately the idols and the role models that we're presented with give a very as i said stylized and rigorous look it's the same with modern fashion so the birth of the side seam on clothing got rid of the whole making clothes for a person to fit a mold so if you look at fashion historically up until about the 60s the dresses were made 
to fit you. So everyone had the same silhouette, even if you're a size eight or a size 16. So nobody was sitting there saying, oh, you look ugly because you're not stick thin. You know, you all had the hourglass shape that you wanted if you were in Victorian England. Every woman had an S-bend shape if it was Edwardian because you made the clothes to create that illusion. And there is a massive part of that that plays into modern society for both our generations. Um, and then again, with the body images through schools, so again, fair amount of comments about how fat I was, how big I was, all that kind of stuff. Skip forwards to university. I'm in a fashion building surrounded by tidy women. And I hate myself because I'm failing. So that was another thing. Then during uni, I also went on the implant. Uh, this is another issue for a lot of women where we end up taking hormonal contraceptives and we don't always realize there's going to be um, repercussions of that. So I have to take progesterone only contraceptives because otherwise I might die because I get migraine with aura which is a key indicator for like strokes and stuff so my only options are the pot pill or non-hormonal methods or it was the implant in this case so I had that fitted it sent me absolutely mental like slowly I was on it for a year I was also um unfortunately menstruating for a year and it really made me pile on the pounds and I just couldn't shift them, which became frustrating. And I hated myself because I was in a really dark place at the time because of certain things that had gone on and I just couldn't shift the weight. And it drove me mental, that aspect of it as well, because I felt huge. I was a size probably 14 to 16, but I felt like... I was this massive, ugly mess of a thing. Yeah, it's really and strange, isn't it? That kind of idea of, because 14 to 16 isn't big, is it? But that idea in your head of. And it's interesting what you're saying mm. about hormones as well, Jess, because obviously the midlife um the thing, I don't know what to call it. It's a lot, lack of waste. I'm going to write a poem called Rest in Peace, Waste, R-I-P. <laughs> that's, that's actually a natural thing that we store I don't know why, but we store something around the middle. It goes eventually when we get a lot older, but it's just something to do with hormones and it's naturally occurring. And after, you know, after having my body commented on from the age of um, eight, actually being a dancer, I, I reached this point and I'm still, you know, I, I, I look at um, Jennifer Lopez and Jennifer Aniston that have, that have reached their 50th and, I wouldn't say I feel depressed. I feel a bit angry because I think, why is this being pushed on us? Because they they must have had some sort of um, body, you know, to get the fat out because it's naturally occurring change in your body. It may not be great, but we do lose our waists. Our boobs do, you know, slowly <laughs> go down. These are natural things. And, and I, for one, just hate having these people paraded in front of me um to to make well they don't make me feel lesser but but you know i feel that society's push um and and like you say we've got we've got hormonal changes they're perfectly natural um and and i just wanted to say before your track jess that there's this thing called grief gut because I, I when my dad died which is two and a half years ago if anyone's listening out here you might not hear about this and i just put on weight around my middle it was from then i'd never had it before 
and I couldn't get into my clothes for my play. For, for the, I had to buy new clothes, the same clothes from the year before. And um, I never, I've never really had my waist back. And I Googled it because I wasn't eating. I was very upset, obviously. And I wasn't drinking. And I thought, what is this? And it's called grief gut. And it's an actual thing where when you've lost someone, the body can naturally store fat because it thinks you're next in your head. You can't do anything about it. And so it, it, it just goes into overdrive and stores the fat in case you get ill and you're next. And it's it's from way back, you know, when when somebody close to us died and we thought it might be us next. So we stored that fat for winter kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? And um yeah, yeah it's called grief gut. So if there's anybody out there, maybe that might ring true for someone and they might go, Wow, you know, I can just stop trying to get my body back into submission. My body's telling me that I'm grieving and that's okay. It's a really interesting one because it's like women naturally will store fat around their like lower stomach and you know places because you're going to carry a baby at some point biologically as well and it's a really frustrating thing when women are paraded around with abs like I have gotten only close to having abs once in my life I was doing a ridiculous amount of training my food regime was strict I mean I couldn't eat a vegan double cheeseburger without actually thinking about how many calories I was going to have to run off kind of strict I got my body fat down to like 19 percent which is you know high for an athlete but lower than your average woman and it's insane because like I was happy at the time because I was in a good place and it was a healthy kind of routine that I'd established and stuff but at the same time like if I look at photos a I'm very very tiny in them but at the same time, the amount of just sheer work and it's hard having to have emotional time for everything else as well as then your ridiculous regime. Just <laughs> You're right. And we, we could go on forever about this, couldn't we? This Maybe this is a topic all on its own for another time, body image. But you, you, you're really right. And um, yeah, it's it's kind of I just like to say to lead, lead, uh, listeners. Who's deciding? Who's deciding on these images for every decade? And also, if you're a younger woman, you, it doesn't stop. This is this is kind of where I'm getting quite angry because I was thinking I'd be able to be put out to my dotage now, and you know I wouldn't have to follow these ridiculous images. And there they are being beamed up to me into my midlife. And then when I get older, I'll probably have to be Helen Mirren. You know, it's kind of it's ridiculous. So, listeners, try and think about who's beaming this out to you. Um, and while we have 30 seconds of Jess's track. I believe this is Kill Hannah Lips Like Morphine. Great. Identifying as male, I feel like there should be different types of bodies shown in the media. Because at the minute, it feels like there's only one sort of body that's seen as attractive, which is to be muscly or toned or to have a six pack. Whilst this body type is attractive and it's good that people are feeling great working on their bodies, there should be different types of bodies shown. Because if you feel like there's no one who looks like you in the media, this can make you feel really bad about yourself. Hello and welcome back to part three of 361 Lifeline uh, with Alice Smith and Jess Hawkes. 
hi guys jess is still there we got all feminist and annoyed and i tell you what i could have gone on and on and on and on and so i will at some point because it's the bane of my life the body image that's in my head that's stuck there that i don't completely take responsibility for i'll take responsibility for some of it being there but i'm getting stuff piped into my head from the time i was eight see i haven't calmed down yet but now we're going to move on to um food for thought so we're talking about food today but it, we're talking about food for our mind as well so i wanted to ask you listeners what are you actually eating thought wise so it seems like quite a strange question are you munching on social media are you binging on the news or are you operating some sort of moderation with that news that's coming in? You better had to or your anxiety will go through the roof. Are you binging on Netflix? And are you looking for sound bites? So do you see how social media and the media have created this language of binging when we're watching? We have takeouts to take from things that we watch now. And we have sound bites, like we're eating, like learning and information is something that we eat. And this is this is pretty modern, you know. Um, and I just wanted to say that learning is not consumption. So if you're younger and you've been brought up in the school system in the last 10 years, you've taught, you've been taught that you eat all, it's spooned into you by the teacher and then you just sick it all out on the exam paper and you get to go to university. Wow. But I'm challenging that and saying learning is not consumption. Learning about something deepens it. Um, and the more you learn, the less you know. And so therefore, maybe your appetite is a continuous thing with learning. And you've got to be really careful what you eat, what you munch on, what you binge on. And especially at the moment with the news. What's your thoughts, Jess? I completely agree um, with a lot of that. The news, I definitely say, you know, pick which news sources you're reading from lightly. Well, not lightly even. Actually put some thought into the credibility behind them, but also don't just get stuck by echo chambering it and only reading, you know, the opinions that, echo yours because one of the interesting things about like Facebook in particular um, well some social media sites should probably edit that bit out is the algorithms they use to pump through certain things at you so a lot of what you're fed if you're clicking it directly off that kind of thing is stuff that either echoes your points of view or is the complete opposite you're not given an in-between and this is where like rational debate gets lost because you're not being given balance and unbiased and it's a frustrating one definitely with consuming stuff it's an interesting one i don't tend to consume too much in terms of tv so my consumption of that has gone up and i don't know i don't know if i'm comfortable with that i mean i'm sewing a lot to it so it's not something I'm directly engaging with but at the same time I'm picking tv shows that at the moment are comfort 
TV shows because the world is big and scary and everything that is going on is terrifying. Yeah, I mean, this is, see how um, we can relate this to food. So listeners, it, just think about what you're letting into your head. Are you doing what Jess is doing? Like, oh, I'll have some comfort food. I'll have, you know, a show that I used to watch when I was young. Or, you know, are you actually, is the TV on all the time? I mean, if it is, you've stopped, you've stopped noticing it. You know, you, you've got an intravenous drip into your mind, into your subconscious that you're not even noticing that's going in. Um, or are you, are you not watching anything at all? Or are you just choosing your news? You've just got to be really careful because it could make you really ill if you, if you actually watch, if you binge on too much news at the moment. And you know how when you're eating and you you might be the sort of eater that has packets of crisps and biscuits and you sit mindlessly in front of the TV and you eat those biscuits. You you might be one of those people and you might be saying, what's wrong with that, Alice? Well, you've got to be careful at the moment with your mind because, you know, this is a mental health show, isn't it? And we I'm just saying that, you know, if you consume like that, if you consume media like that and Trump's press conferences and and the statistics you know and the things like Boris's story that he wasn't that ill and he actually was if you if you keep consuming things that are lies to you and that it's gonna really gonna affect your mental health so you've got to have kind of diet would you say like a a sort of go on a diet Jess with your um, media consumption maybe well just a healthy more balanced attitude because the thing is consumption and input that we have in everything so it doesn't just cover like your television or news consumption it would be things like music that artists you're choosing to listen to it will be things like your social media choices it will be things um such as your tumblr blogs that you follow every one of those will have some form of impact on how you view things so again in terms of my news consumption at the moment I have a five minute catch up every morning and then after that I switch off because otherwise I just get very overwhelmed and very confused because there are lots of conflicting um very outrageous statements going on and there's a lot that are just headlines just trying to grab your attention with not necessarily decent content in it um in terms of social media I am on messenger most of the day messaging people or having video calls I'm not really um posting much on social media apart from memes not gonna lie because a sense of humor as we've discussed before will probably get us through this better than most things that is that is so true and you know there's nothing as long as you have a sense of humor and take some of it lightly it's gonna help because it gives you a funny perspective on yeah that. i mean i i, I consumed but too it, much media last week and i was i was ill and it's it's the equivalent of me having too much to drink i suppose or having too much chocolate and get i did get a headache and i went to bed for the day i'm not saying it was all that but you know i felt that there was no future which is not something i ever think about but that's what it was selling me that there's no future that it's never going to be the same again that you know that i don't have a future and and um so i had to look at you know like you would if you were sick you you've got to look at what's made you sick what what could you do so you've got to sort of kind of review uh everything and you might be listening to this thinking no I don't have to this is rubbish but honestly we've you know it's as Jess said 
everything that's coming in at you. It's so important to know <laughs> what you're feeding yourself. You know, you know for a fact that you feel better if you have porridge and you do cocoa pops, but sometimes you just want cocoa pops and they're nice. But um, you've just got to be so careful. I would say at this moment, wouldn't you, Jess? It's like really, it's kind of not controlling, is it? But more kind of just being careful and fine tuning what's going in there. Well, we're in, what, week five of lockdown? It's either four or five. So a lot of people out there are going to have been by themselves for this entire time and struggling. You know, everyone is going to be dealing with um, having a lot of basic human contact needs not being met, like being able to socially interact with social creatures. And it's a great way to drive anyone crazy, just to leave them in a room by themselves. So it a lot of people are going to be feeling frustrated anyway and reinforcing that idea isn't going to help you at all like it's it's not healthy and yeah the future isn't going to be the same as the situation that we left going into this but we can actively try and change yeah, it yeah that's really positive for the better and, and i would just encourage you listeners to tomorrow just just have a day. You haven't got anything else to do, have you? So just have a day of looking at what you're, you know, just like you would if, if you went to the doctors and the doctor said, you've got to lose several stone. Uh, this is why you're feeling so ill. Your blood pressure's up. Look at your diet. Here's a diet sheet. Maybe just do that with your social media. You know, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just saying, why don't you have a look and see if there's anything you can cut out? If there's, if there's any one you can cut out, I'm even going to suggest. Um, and, and see what see what's going on with the whole what everything that you're kind of consuming that's going into your mind because we're into you know mind health but uh while you have a think about that here is another track big mouth strikes again hello and welcome back to part four our 361 lifeline we're talking about food body image food for thought and then we were supposed to be having a smith's track then but spotify wouldn't let me so we had a really weird kind of thrash metal weird oh i don't know but it was good big mouth strikes again version are you still with us jess you know we are in part four now which is either a poem or last time we changed it a bit and had had a weird anecdote so i've got a poem about my addictions which is supposed to be funny i have had people laugh at it so i'm going to include it as funny what you got for us um i've gone down the anecdote route because again a lot of my poetry is heavy and the one that I wrote linking food to self-esteem is something that needs reworking before it's anywhere near the public. But um, yeah, I have a couple of anecdotes about how the idea of food and love kind of got equated in my brain. So um, yeah, I will start with the one, probably the one about eating um rice pudding and jam with my granddad at what I thought was 3 a.m so imagine this I am between the age of probably six and nine now granddad my mum's dad was an absolute hero of a man um just in terms of everything about him like he gave me and my brother a lot of time and care and was very much present and one of the things we used to do is we used to go walking down 
the side of the canal out in Derby and we'd go and pick a load of blackberries. Loads, like loads. I just remember the walks going on for ages. We had a springer spaniel called Bess. She was a liver and white colored one. She was adorable, like best dog in the world. And it'd be me, my granddad, my brother and Bess. And we'd walk for hours picking these blackberries, get home and Nan made jam. And then obviously I'd have to go to bed at some point. And then before my granddad went to work, because he normally worked nights, he'd get us up and make rice pudding with jam in it. And so that's something I equate oh, with him now. so lovely. Oh, he'd given me a really fantastic image. The listeners there are all going, oh, at the same time. And what's your other one, Jess? Um, the other one would probably be my birthday cake that my sister made so this would have been when I was I want to say nine I might have been younger but it was post my parents divorce and we're in the second house in Derby and I'd taken the day off school I can't remember if I was meant to have the day off school I think it was a half term and um yeah, my sister made this really cool birthday cake with a sun on it with sunglasses that was poking its tongue out. I remember the design, like it was so beautifully done. She's such a great artist. And um, like she'd made this birthday cake and it was delicious. And we ended up having a water balloon fight up and down the stairs with my mum. Oh, Jess, you give me such lovely images every week. And uh, you, you always mention 3 a.m. as well. But, you, you know, you, we had last time we had that weird cake that you made at 3 a.m. stress baking that didn't have any sugar in. You see, I'm listening. And that, that was that was lovely. Thank you for that. I hope you enjoyed that, listeners. And um, I'm just going to give you a little bit of my poem called I Miss My Addictions. I don't know how much I can remember. Um. But it, it has it has drawn a few laughs at my expense. I miss my addictions. They help me lick down life without a lollipop. They help me burst boredom's bubble. And soon I was high on things I could inhale, people I could fail at loving. Too needy, too greedy. I miss my addictions. They were the fiction the turning of my world from page to stage to outrage that I was no longer centre stage, but on the outskirts. It hurts that no one made me their queen of hearts. The feeling starts to course through my veins that I am in vain. I miss my addictions. If I stand still and stop running, I can hear myself rest in fear of myself. Wrong choice. I don't want to hear that voice. And there were so many that helped me to forget. Every day brings someone colder, but their words are getting older. I need a new message. I miss my addictions. It's lonely down here since I gave up the crazy. If only they weren't so hazy, those memories of being loved. But my head is clearing and I'm fearing I never knew love. Not even once. Now, I used to eat a cake in that uh, one on stage, Jess, in the section that I forgot. I'm just going to come out and say that. But, yeah, there, there was a section about cake and it was great. I used to get a cake in my face 
cream pie. Am I allowed to say that? A big pie in my face. It was great. And I've got to tell you that in the first show, I jumped out of a cake that I had made, um, which was made of wood and I had a lid. So I used to shelter in there in drag in these big heels and then and then the lid would come off and I'd jump out and, and run around the stage with a baseball bat saying, marry me. That is quite an image. Yes. And I got stuck. I'm just going to tell you the full story. I never drink when I'm performing or drank when I was performing. But it was the end of this run. And um, there was a bottle of Prosecco. And, and I, I didn't have to actually say anything after that. I just had to run round in drag in the heels and get out of the thing. So I thought I was safe. So me being me, I drank the whole bottle of Prosecco in the break and fell into the cake, um, the wooden cake thing and uh was upside down when they wheeled it out <laughs> you see my message oh was a bit uh mixed in those days jess i don't know what i was trying to tell people i think that probably reflects your mindset at the time though which is perfectly fine. Oh, it was really enough. funny. And then we had these paper mache pigs made, big life-size pigs, because I was calling my ex-husband a pig and he was in the play um, as, as a pig. And we hung them from the ceiling and then we got these big umbrellas and baseball bats and smashed them and all this glitter came out. It was really good fun. That does sound like a lot of yeah, fun. It's got, it hasn't got much to do with what we're talking about, but I suppose it has for self-image. So this has been great. Um it's been an interesting topic, hasn't it, Jess, really? I hope listeners have, have enjoyed it. Yeah, I think it definitely has. It's a very loaded topic, as previously Yeah, discussed. so we're going to go out with a track from Jess. But uh, thanks for listening, everyone. And, and maybe we're giving you a bit of food for thought about what's going on at the moment. I mean, I mean, stay, you know, don't be too hard on yourself if you pig out. I'm just going to say pig out because I like that. Uh, don't be too hard on yourself if you start hoarding. Don't be too hard on yourself if you just if you just kind of like, you know, disappoint yourself, which, by the way, you can't do because you're you and only you can do you. You know, it's kind of fairly easy, and fairly difficult as well. So if you struggle and you, you in your own eyes, you're slipping in some way to do with food. Just don't be too hard on yourself. I think it. These times are really hard, don't you? Oh, majorly, majorly. Um, I'm struggling with the fact that I can't stay as active as I can because getting outside for walks and stuff is major anxiety trigger. So I'm, yeah, keeping an eye on why, but I'm trying not to be too strict about it because I don't want to slip into horrible yeah, habits. So just, just give yourself a break. So. I mean, try not to try not to slip back into drink. I wouldn't be saying that about about you know try and keep up with your sobriety mm -hmm. if you're sober because that's really important because it can have major impact if you slip on that. But with your food, um, you know, don't be too hard on yourself. But have a go, have a go tomorrow at that. Um, it's kind of like a food diary for what's coming in for news and above all just be kind to yourself it's difficult times uh, what's the final track jess sunday morning coming down by me first well covered by me first the gimme gimmies i think it was originally done by johnny that sounds intriguing thanks jess see you next time see you everyone <laughs>